Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Court Garland. Three. Good! There he is. Garland. That's his third three of the night. That's right. He's found his touch. Osmond into the forecourt. Spins in the lane. Left-handed shot. Good and a foul. Good job by Osmond. Millsap. Bounce pass. Stolen by Sexton. Sexton to the other end. He drives. Pow! With two hands. You can't catch him. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us as November has arrived. Jim Jones, as always, great to be with you. And, man, are we going to have some fun on the show tonight Sitting in the legend's chair. You talk about a legend as far as the NBA is concerned. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. That'll be a fun conversation with Ced. And then from Cavs.com, Joe Gabriel's going to stop by and pay us a visit. So we've got a lot to talk about. Another legend. Yes. Another legend. Another legend. He may be in the uh, legend's seat. There's a legend's chair, and then there's, you know, the legend's seat. So we'll put Joe G in the legend's seat. So we've got Cedric Cornbread Maxwell coming up. That should be a fun conversation. Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com. So we've got some ground to cover during this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Back to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. Yes, a blast from the past as far as the music is concerned, but certainly uh, quite a legend to sit in the legend's chair. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. 
And, of course, he had a great career, an 11-year NBA career, eight with the Boston Celtics, two-time NBA champion, and, of course, the 1981 Finals MVP, and now a color commentator on the Cap- on the Celtics radio network, said it is great to have you in. Boy, I bet you that theme song brought back a few memories, didn't it? Oh, man, you know what? I had heard that song maybe one or two times in my life, and the time <laughs> I heard it was the first time I actually went to a movie theater. Uh, some of my friends, that's how I got the nickname Cornbread, some of my friends went to see this movie called Cornbread Early Me, and uh, Jim would know it. Jamal Wilkes. I saw the movie. Yeah, movie. Jamal Wilkes. And yeah. and the guy in the movie who was who was there was Earl, and then there was me. The guy who was me in the movie was one of, was no other than uh, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his name now, but he was absolutely great in it. And you know he played Morpheus in in the movie. So this was one of those things where it was, it was so good. But thank you guys Fishburne, for bringing me Fishburne, in like Fishburne. that. Fishburne, wasn't it Fishburne? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, correct, said. Yeah, Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah, great movie, great movie. Well, again, uh, those who join us on this show said sit in the Legends chair, and there's no doubt uh, you fit very comfortably in the Legends chair. So uh, sit back, relax, put the recliner up, and uh, enjoy the time with Jim and I. I know we're going to enjoy the time with you, so – well, let's kind of delve into, uh, first of all, the Boston Celtics. Uh, things didn't go the way they wanted down in the bubble. So uh, well, what's this offseason like up in Beantown? Well, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how uh, they're going to get it going and what Danny's going to do. But, you know, Danny, have, Danny Ainge has a lot of decisions to make. Uh, you, the unfortunate thing with Boston is the fact that you are playing for championships and not playing for a division title. So I, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, you have. And so, so the Southern have a lot of good players, but you're playing for championships. Jim? You know, uh, you know Cedric, uh, smart Jalen Brown and the young kid Tatum, I love all three of them. Uh, but are people having second thoughts in Boston that maybe it's not enough? Do, are, they, are they looking towards still trying to get a super player? Well, Jim, I, I think that's what happens at the end of the day. You're always trying to upgrade. And you think about the Eastern Conference, the players that you have in the East now. You have a Kyrie Irving uh, matched up with the Rams. Uh, these teams are only going to get better. So it's, it's a, um, I think, a, a race of, of Armageddon where, you know, everybody wants to get better players. And I, I think, uh, you know, the Celtics could do with maybe a couple of pieces that would make them better, especially when you look at their bench. Their bench needs to be much better. Again, we're talking with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell as he joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Said when you look at that whole bubble atmosphere, per se, obviously the announcers weren't there, but how challenging was that? I'm sure you've talked to some of the players and or coaches. Uh, How challenging was it for those guys down in that bubble? Well, I think it was more challenging for maybe some of the broadcasters. I knew a guy who was there, uh, Gary Washburn was there, uh, who was one of the writers for the Celtics. And uh, essentially, you go down in that bubble for three months without seeing Mm. anybody else. So the Mm. sacrifice for the broadcasters might have been a little bit tougher than the players because 
eventually the players start to have their families. But to be in the area for two and a half, three months and to play basketball, I think it was the ultimate sacrifice. Well, Sid, when you first heard about that, <clears throat> about them coming to some type of agreement, the league and the player association, were you, were you surprised as much as I was that they would do that for 90 days? Jim, let's not, that's use, a let's long not time. use the word surprise. <laughs> let's use the word shock. Yeah. <laughs> 90 days, see, really? I couldn't see players being in that environment. And Jim, you and I have been, you know, you and I were young players, and me, you know, I didn't get married early on. So I was young and, and, and ready to kind of sow my oats. Oh, so you're going to tell right. me that. 80, 80 days or 40 days just to be by myself. I think that was, that might have been a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, we won't delve into what the challenges may have been, Cornbread. We'll just uh, kind of leave that sitting out there a little bit. You know, you guys talk about, you know, when you both came in, your careers did overlap somewhat. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to get each of your perspectives oh on the matchup. Seth Maxwell and Jim Jones. What was it like out there on the floor between you two? Go ahead, well, Seth. Then, you can, well, you, no, no, Jim was, no, Jim was no, 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 let, no, let, no. Let me start first. Okay, Jim. I'm, go I'm ahead. guarding Larry Bird, right? Because Jamal couldn't guard him, and so I'm guarding Seth. I'm guarding Larry Bird. Parrish is setting picks, so I guarded Bird, Parrish, and McHale, depending on uh, how strong Kareem felt that day if he wanted to be touched. But anyway. We're switching. I'm guarding Bird. I can run with him. I have the height and the length. All of a sudden, they do a switch in the middle of the lane, and I got cornbread down low. And all of a sudden, he gives me, he's got his back to me in the post, and he fakes left, turns his head to the right, throws the ball around, grabs it, and lays it in. I said, okay, so I see you got some footwork. <laughs> so next time down, he does the same thing, but he fakes inside and shoots a little floater off the glass from about from the lower block. The third time when they set the pick, I said, Jamal, I'm not guarding him. There's no way, there's no way that Cedric Maxwell, with the variety of shots he has, anywhere from the top of the key in, he was always dangerous. But said, I want to say this. You're such a team player. There's no reason why every year you shouldn't have averaged 20 to 25, but you were with a team of, of other all-stars and potential uh, Hall of Famers. Wow. All right, Jim. So I assume that was a 100% accurate description of how you tore Jim up. Now, no, what he did. <laughs> Look, let me tell you this, man. No Jim, shame Jim in that. Jim can say all he wants. But Jim was a guy I watched when I was uh, growing up. I saw him at Marquette. And, well, see, Michael told me the same thing. And, Michael told me the and same thing. I saw him play, and I was like, man, I was like, this dude right here. And then he twisted his ankle, and I think that's the only reason that they didn't win. But this yep. dude, he had, he, had, uh, he had all the moves. I mean, the post moves, the little spinning jump hook, the fall away jump shot off one foot. And the biggest thing that people don't know about is the junk talking that went along with Jim Jones. Oh, my he, goodness. He, you Jimmy know, was you, a trash he, talker? He, dude, he hit one in your face, and he'd go, pow, pow. <laughs> he would tell hey, you, you know about where I got that the from. shot was going in. 
<laughs> Sir, do you know where I got that from? I got it from your from 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 your homeboy, Bob McAdoo. <laughs> because wow. we had played in the Pan Am games. We played the Pan Am games in my second year uh, at Marquette, and we became best friends. And he he was telling me about you guys and uh, Bobby Jones and all you guys, all you North Carolina guys, and how great uh, players you were. Said I have a hard time believing you didn't trash talk back. Well, well not- he was kind of light. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there were during the during the eighties during the eighties you picked who you trash talked to. And Jim was known to maybe throw them hands a little bit more than, you know, people want to know about. So some guys you didn't mess with, Jim, Lonnie Shelton, those are the kind of guys you just did. You you store your baskets, and another one was Wes Unsell. You knock down your shot, and you go, you don't say too much, you – you go on back down to the other end, and just happy you ain't on your ass someplace. So I, I, that's why you didn't talk a lot of noise this year. All right, guys, we got to sneak in a quick timeout. This is great conversation. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell joining us in the Legends Chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. say said not only have you earned the moniker cornbread but i learned they also used to call you the rubber band man now where did that, that one was, come from that was one of johnny most's lines that he would give me when i would make a couple of moves around the hoop and he'd say the rubber band man strikes again so, so <laughs> i love that's it kinda, that's kind of where that came from it wasn't yeah, and it's real funny. You have all these things that you talk about, and I have to, you know, I do. I have a podcast, and I got to get you guys doing the same thing because I'm gonna ask you a question, Jim, and then I'm gonna turn to your co-host and ask them a question. Okay. Give me your Mount Rushmore of sports, Jim. Oh, we're gonna start easy. with you. That's easy. Come okay. on, Bill all Russell. Right. Bill Russell's number one. And okay. more so because of his attitude than his statistics, right? But how can you deny a guy who has 11 rings? I mean, it's not That's possible. True. And and plus his social justice stand. I mean, I was a big Bill Russell fan all my life, and I tried to even run down the floor like he did. You know how he'd hold his hands out and his fingers up? I just thought <laughs> I just thought Bill Russell was the, was the man. And then I saw Wilt Chamberlain. So those two are the greatest to me. And then... I had the great fortune of playing against the greatest center of the modern era, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Never missed the free throw that we needed. Always made the big shot. Even would get the big rebound and make the big block if it meant winning. And who had been a star in junior high, high school, all the way up through his pro seasons, there's been no one better. Those three. Then I got to take Michael Jordan. I got to wow. do it with Mike. 
Okay. I got to go with okay. Mike. I got to go with Mike. And then uh, the fifth one. Now, no, you you're really only, the me. only four people on Mount Rushmore. That's all, okay. Jim. You can't, have, hey. you can't have a number I'm done. five. Only four I'm done. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you I'm what. It, it's hard to argue with my broadcast partner right there. I mean. Well, ahead, well you, don't have to, you don't have to go all basketball, sir. You oh, you're go, talking just sports. You, you can, I said sports. Oh, okay. wow. Go but ahead. that's a, that's an hour long podcast right there. No, it, it it just changes. Let me I'm gonna give you mine, and then I'm gonna let you follow up. This is how I went with mine. I went with Muhammad Ali. Yep. Tiger Woods. Good. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, and I went went off the board. I went with the greatest female athlete I think I've ever seen. Serena. That was Serena Williams. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The no only, question about I, it. I'm not a hundred percent on Tiger. Now injuries played a part what? in that. No, I mean I think yes. If he had stayed healthy and everything, you know, there obviously were some personal issues too that kind of got him off track. But yeah, it's hard to argue with your other three. Who you got, Tim? Come on, Tim. You're not yep. bailing out on yep. this. Who, who, who I will. Got, I would absolutely, absolutely agree with Ali. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Not only for what he accomplished, but Jim, as you mentioned about Bill Russell, just how he changed yeah, yeah. America with his social stances. That's right. Um, Michael Jordan, absolutely. There is not a doubt in my mind. Serena, just dominant. Oh, boy, fourth one. That's a great okay. question. I'd have to really <laughs> stop and think about that. I, I'm not him. sure about Tiger. You got him, Brett. I'm not sure about it. Tiger. I, I just I think because of the, there was that dip. Now, the, the Masters win to come back was just one of the most incredible sports moments of all time. You know, when he, when he kind of got back to the top of the mountain and won that Masters, that was incredible. Okay, okay. But th- that's okay. a great one. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about that, that on your podcast, yeah, we, Ed. We, we go back and forth with that, and I just think that you look at overall sports, and then it come, and sometimes it depends on who you're talking to. I talked to a gentleman who was – over in London, and he brought up Michael Schumacher. He brought up uh, somebody who was a great cricket player. And then he bought, he went to um, what we think American football, their football, soccer, and he brought up Pele. So it can Pele. change in yeah. so many different ways. And the thing about it, you can't be wrong. Your opinion can't be wrong. It's your opinion. You're Mount Rushmore. But I just want to know how they go out sometimes. That's really cool. Well, hey, you know what? Since we're in that vein, I've got a question. I've got it written in red ink. Okay. Coming, Growing up in the South, Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. it influenced your parents, their parents before them, the climate, the atmosphere, the social climate down South. Uh, how did that, that lifestyle those influence influence your life. That that is a great that's a great question, Jim. I think it influenced me in a different way because uh, I grew up my early years. You know, from one to five, I was living in Kinston, North Carolina, uh, okay. in a segregate, totally segregated situation. Then my okay. father, who was in the military, we went to Hawaii, and we were in a totally integrated situation for three four years. Then we came mm-hmm. back. And I went back into a segregated situation during the 60s and the early 70s. So mm. it, it had a huge influence on my life as a uh, person of color. And, you know, I, I, I was around like you were around when, you know, people read about Dr. King and talk about that. You and I were around when we heard Dr. King speak live 
when Dr. That's King right, got assassinated. In Milwaukee. Yeah, so in Milwaukee, we, we, I, I, was, I remember many summers looking at in Chicago and they'd had the, the riots and, you know, places burning. Uh, so my, my life has been composed of all these different people over the years. And the, the biggest thing, Jim, that I look back on during my life was I, probably like you, was thought I'd never see the day there'd be a black president. And to have Barack Obama become the president, to me, was just so outstanding and what he did and, and how he represented, um, you know, people of color. And so, so my life has been composed of so many different, different things about growing up in the South. And matter of fact, one of the things probably nobody, too many people knew about was the fact when I was a, a junior in high school, I was six, I was six three and a half, and uh, we, I went to a, a integrated school my first year, and I got cut from the basketball team. So I, I didn't make the team until I was a senior in high school. Now over the wow. summer, I grew like four inches. I came back off a six, seven and a half, but the coach did ask me, was I coming back out for the team? I was like, no. He's like, why? I said, you just cut me. So yeah, my <laughs> life is really, my life has really been different. And Jim, the, the other one, I, I have to put this in because I put this in my podcast during the sixties with my family would always go from Kinston, North Carolina to Quitman, Georgia, which was in the South. Uh, almost in Florida, down to the Florida line. We come back and we always stop at Myrtle Beach, and we go to a segregated beach, and it was called it was a black beach, and it was called Atlantic Beach, and literally they had a fence from the top of the beach, all the way as long as a football field out in the water, so people of color could not mix with white people at the beach. Wow. Wow. Hey, Seth, are you comfortable in the Legends chair? Oh, man. Can we, I'm, can we keep... uh, uh, dude, I'm sitting back in the Legends chair so sweet right now. now all I'm thinking about is the, 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 the wine that I've heard about that comes to the Legends. <laughs> I, we... I wish I just had a bottle of that to sip on right now. Because we want to we, we keep you for one more quick segment. Can you hang on? Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank All right, you. quick quick break, and we're having a great conversation with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell as he joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Last week, head coach J.B. Bickerstaff and his wife Nikki provided iPads and one year of internet service to 10 Cleveland area high school seniors. The couple worked with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Northeast Ohio to select 10 members of the clubs. Five students from East Tech High School and five from John Adams College and Career Academy to receive the gifts. The Bickerstaffs met virtually on a Zoom call with the students to deliver the great news. Cabs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with the second half of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. thrilled that Cedric Cornbread Maxwell has agreed to join us for another segment here on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. Thanks for joining us on this very special broadcast and said uh, before the break, well that was great conversation with Jim Jones about growing up in the South and 
that kind of segues into what I wanted to chat with you about for a minute or two. Uh, you had an extraordinary career at UNC Charlotte. Uh, I remember as a as a kid watching you gallop up and down the floor in the NCAA tournament. And then, of course, uh, you're drafted in the first round by the Celtics, number 12 overall. But kind of take us back uh, to that college career and then getting drafted by one of the NBA's great franchises, the Boston Celtics. Well, in college, um, I wasn't, like I said, I, I didn't play until I was a senior in high school. So uh, there weren't many schools that went out and offered me a scholarship. Uh, I got a letter from University of North Carolina. And I thought it was Chapel Hill with Dean Smith. I was like, wow, this is cool. And I looked at it and said, Charlotte. I'm like, well, where is that? And uh, so I ended up going to visit uh, UNC Charlotte and uh, had great teammates. Uh, had a great coach. And then uh, he left. Bill Foster went down to Clemson. And then we That's got right. Lee Rose. And my yeah. second year in the league, my, my, my junior year, we ended up going to the NIT. Uh, and we played so well. I was the most valuable player on a losing team. The next year we came back, and uh, we were everybody thought we were a pretty good team. We were in the Sun Belt Conference, and we ended up going to the Final Four. Yeah. And we beat the number one team that year in the country. We beat Michigan. And so, uh, you know, and, and really just got cheated out of that last game against Marquette with the great Alvin oh, Dwyer on a, on a last-second shot that would have uh, – going to overtime and we prayed that we were going to be playing uh university of north carolina at chapel hill uh for the for the marbles but uh it just wasn't to do wow well you really opened up the country's eyes though with that ncaa run all of a sudden everybody was talking about this kid from unc charlotte cedric cornbread maxwell Mm-hmm. yeah an amazing yeah. run I and mean, then those, those, oh, go ahead. those were it was such great times when we played in those games, we had so much fun. It was an atmosphere that, you know, everybody was just trying to get to know each other. And, uh, you know, nobody knew about what USC Charlotte was about. They, did, they didn't know our team. They didn't know who we were. And so it was one of those things where we didn't know, you know, how good we needed to be. And then, of course, you go to Boston. Uh, you end up winning two titles. Uh, you're the finals MVP in 81. Uh, you beat the Lakers in seven games. And, 84 and people tend to forget you came up huge in that game seven in 84 you had a 28 8 and 8 uh boy you must have did you really enjoy the big time pressure situation said yeah james, james worthy knew about it he ended up knowing about what happened he, he could he could tell you greatly what happened in that game because i happened to play against him and i was like uh, and he had pushed me in the back so we played a seventh game in Boston, and Jeremy, as you know, it doesn't get any bigger than a seventh game in the Boston playing against the Lakers. It was just one of those things yep. that was just so enjoyable. Classic. And, uh, you know, one of the stories I'll tell you, a great story was with Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, the 30 for 30 came on with Lakers and Celtics. Oh, it was and unbelievable. they talked about it. And um, so uh, Jason Tatum, one of our star players, young we had my first year. He didn't know that much about me. So he comes to the game, he, he, and he says, he's still screaming out, cornbread, cornbread. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? He said, man, I saw you on that 30 for 30. Damn, you were bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get another history that goes along with it, which, right. is, which is one of the best things around. Jim? 
Yeah, you know, uh, Brett, you know, you and I talk all the time through the course of the of the season, and uh, I have this, that nobody knows this. He can cook. He made me <laughs> a potato pie, and he put villain v- vanilla in it like my mama used to do. Yeah. And I'm Jim. telling you, Brad, let me tell you, you can cook, brother. That Jim, was the I'm, best Jim, potato Jim, pie. I'm going to get another one for you, there's no doubt, but I, I have to let people in on the greatness of Jim Jones and the honesty of Jim Jones. A couple of years ago, uh, the Celtics had Kyrie Irving. And uh, the Celtics then Kyrie Irving was going to be a free agent. Jim Jones, I saw him in Cleveland. <laughs> he turned to me and said, you know Kyrie's not coming back, right? I said, oh, Jim, we got a great team. He's surrounded. No, nah. he said, let me just tell you right now, Kyrie Irving is not coming back. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so, so Jim, even in, you know, what he does, still passes out knowledge to a young fella that I, I, you know, I love because I was so convinced that Kyrie was coming back. And when he left, that's all I tell people now. I said, Jim Jones told me a month before that happened. He said Kyrie was gone. I was like, well. (laughs) Yeah, but Brad, you know what it was? He just didn't fit. You know, and and the Celtics are known for guys fitting. I mean, you and the Lakers set the tone that more than skill level, more than scoring a lot of points, you have to fit. And he just didn't seem to fit that culture. You know, and it's Jim, Jim, it's so strange you say that because, and, and I'll say this today, even about Kyrie Irving. To me, the best point guard, skill-wise, the Celtics oh. have ever had. I, I don't even right. know if I can match with him because right. of what he's able to do. But as you said, his persona, his personality really didn't match up to who, who you really, who you, how it really gelled for this team. And so it just didn't work out. So, said my last question before we uh, let you go. You guys are both NBA legends, and now you are both color commentators on NBA broadcasts. Uh, what do you love about being an NBA radio color commentator? The fact that we don't have to play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, but I want the money, but I don't want to play. <laughs> That's right. That, we, that we're able to enjoy the game, be around the game, be around the young players, travel like we're kings because Jim remembers when we were in the league initially. Oh my. Man, it wasn't you, – you might be in coach and you weren't staying in the – the way they – that hotel where they said we, we're going to leave the light on for you, you might be yeah, there. Yeah, we stayed there. Now, That's right. Now what they're doing is staying in, you know, five-star hotels. You have, a, you know, your own plane. The, the difference in, in the way as a broadcaster and being around the game, to me, that's, that's the joy. Just like Jim, we, we get a chance. And the biggest thing, we get, we get a chance to compete but not compete because we'll talk yes. junk about our teams to All each day. other. And knowing we ain't going to win, we, we couldn't break a grape. We couldn't, as I, <laughs> I like it, my grandpa <laughs> would say, we ain't going to break a fart. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and rumor is You're right, Brad. And rumor is said you can you can eat a bucket of chicken wings and still call the game at the same time. Wow, man. He's that, the that, best. That, you He's know the best. what? I am so mad at Cleveland for they they got away that that one place you guys had there I loved in the arena. It was the Quaker State place and they had That's the right. pixie dust dry rub on those chicken wings. 
Oh my God! Last time we were there, they didn't have it. I was pissed. I was pissed. <laughs> Uh, maybe Jim and I will bring you some wings of our own when we get this thing up and rolling again. Well, I just hope we get it rolling again. The the thing I'm looking at, Jim, and 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 I'll ask you because you know you have this knowledge. I'm I'm looking at it as will we ever go on the road again as yeah. broadcasters? Because the thing I see now is that we did our games and you didn't do them though. We did our games from the bubble. And the bubble for us was we were right in the Boston Garden doing those games. Do you think there are going to be teams that are going to send broadcasters on the road again, considering they could do the same job from home in their studio? Well, you and I both know it, it all comes down to uh, economics. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's still a business no matter how you look at it. And I'm telling you, I've got a 5G TV coming. And it's going to be twice as, it'll be half the size of my bedroom. And I wouldn't mind staying at home. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I say. We, I said, because I don't, we can broadcast Jim, I don't think you and I won't ever miss going to, and no offense at all, to the people of Oklahoma City. No. But I don't no. think we're going to miss Oklahoma. We would miss Charlotte. going back. To, and you might want to go to Milwaukee again. I don't want to go to Milwaukee. Utah, yeah, well. cancel me out. Yep, Charlotte. Oh, man. <laughs> said I cannot oh, begin to tell you how enjoyable this was. This was awesome. Great show, Seth. Great conversation. Uh, this won't be your first appearance, and this won't be the first time you sit comfortably in the Legends chair. Girl, guys, I enjoy, I totally enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. No, Anytime thank you. I could, I could, you know, be on your broadcast, man, it's a joy, because not only am I able to give knowledge, but I'm able to receive that same stuff. And, you know, the thing that you guys did was so unique today, I felt like I was at the uh, 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 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all these damn songs I heard today. So, well, that's you, Marty you know, Allen, man. That's, that's our well, guy, that's, Marty. That's the great Marty Allen. <laughs> all right, Seth, we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Great to have you on. All right, have a good Thank one. Thank you, Seth. You right, too. I'll call bye. you tomorrow. Peace. All right, bye-bye. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell joining us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll be right back. We welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones. Again, a huge thanks to Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Kind of got the backstory to Cornbread, also Rubber Band Man. Now, our next guest, I don't know if he has a real popular nickname or not, but I know he's popular on (laughs) Cavs.com. Joe Gabriel now stops by to pay us a visit. Joe, any particular nickname you want to throw out there that we should be aware of, our listeners should be, be aware careful, of? Joe. Be, be careful, Joe. Yeah, I know. Because it'll, be careful, it'll ride till the end I'm of very, next season. I'm a very optimistic person. You, you call me the optimist, maybe. Oh, okay. the optimist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that might work. But uh, do you have one, Tim? Yeah, actually, I'm, it's kind of close to cornbread. When I was uh, in school, they used to call me corn man. Because uh, of my last name, and Alcorn. He's called me Corn. The genesis oh, of this nickname? Pardon me? Okay. And what is the genesis of this nickname? Well, my last name being Alcorn. And then and people. Is it? And, well, there are some people actually, it's a, it's a few, but they actually thought my name was Al Corn. Like Al Corn? was my first name. I'm like, no, no, no. It's Alcorn. 
yeah, and people used yeah, to say, yeah, "Hey, out, corn." Well, well like, they've been out with, well, they've been out with the corn too long. Anyway, <laughs> well, speaking well, of, it would have Tim. It would have way. more funk to it. It would have more funk to it if he just called you corn. You can yeah. call me corn. You want to call me corn, Jim? Okay, corn. <laughs> hey, All right. Well, can, sweets can call you whatever he wants to because he's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> sweets, if you want to call me corn, now there's a radio duo. Sweets and corn. Sweets and corn. Sweet corn. <laughs> sweet corn. All right, Joji, uh, let's get into some Cavs talk because uh, a couple of weeks away now, the NBA draft, November 18th, uh, the consensus seems to be there really isn't that marquee star, you know, everybody's number one pick. Uh, where do you fall in that, uh, and how do you look at this class? Well, you know, it's funny. Every time you look at a draft class, for me, uh, when you start looking at it, you're like, eh, there's nobody, you know, this is this. And, and then after you start doing research, you find out you can't live without these guys. Now, all of a sudden, you want every guy that you do research on. So I, I agree with you that there's no consensus, number one. Uh, but there are some nice players, and had there been a tournament, maybe one would have emerged. So give me one or two, maybe three, that have really kind of jumped on your list at least. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, this is probably the, the chalk pick, but I really I do like Obi Toppin. And, I mean, there's I like him because of the Brooklyn thing and the Dayton thing, but I just like his – I like his motor. I like his body of work. Um, I like that I've seen him in action. I don't know if this is a, a draft or if we're a team in a position to take a flyer. And this is a guy that I've seen. I've seen his body of work. I've seen him play. So he's a guy that I really like. Well, you know, you know, Joe, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the sheet that you sent out. And I want to give you some credit and some props. Uh, I read your articles all through the season for years, and uh, well, thank you, you do your homework. You always do your homework. I use so much of your stuff in my broadcast, I should be paying <laughs> you. <laughs> I won't, though. But anyway, but anyway, uh, you're talking about the bigs. Talk to me about the bigs that you wrote about the other day. I'm impressed. Well, I think, Jim, like – I'm doing research on the bigs, and I have a question for you, actually, for you and Tim. Okay. When Fitch was drafting players, he seemed to have a mindset, like, uh, I want this type of guy, Brewer, you, uh, it's a tough type of style. So I think with this draft, there's there's all different kinds of big men. Um, yes. uh, you know, again, James, uh, you look at James Wiseman, and uh, he's different than, Oweka uh, Okongwu, uh, who's different than Jalen Smith, they're all, they all can do different things, and it depends, like I said, what your team is looking for. What kind of big man are, do you need? So, sure. you know, again, they're, they're so different, and they're so varied. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's a toss-up right now. It's funny you ask that, Joe, because Jim and I had Joe Tate on last week, and I asked Joe that exact same question about – how Bill Fitch kind of constructed the roster and were there certain players uh, that he was looking for. But, uh, Jim, I'll let you take that one first. Yeah, you know what? It's, I think there's, there's, there's no consensus because the upside for the first through 15 is, is, is probably as big as it's ever been, probably since LeBron's mm -hmm. draft. These kids are very, very skilled. They can yes. do a lot of different things. They're all 
they all have above average athleticism mm -hmm. and they all have incredible length, even the guard play. Uh, I'm just amazed at the skill set. But when you talked about, uh, I know I'm going to mess some games up, the kid from USC and the two kids from Memphis, uh, yeah. Wiseman and then the other kid, uh, uh, Precious. Those Precious, kids yeah. are exceptional. And now the kid from Maryland, I didn't even know about him. And I was reading your stuff. And then I went on Google and looked him up and looked at some of his vids. He's as good as any big man that's come out in the last five years by himself. But the thing I like about Toppin is the maturity, the super mm -hmm. athleticism. He had more dunks than anybody in college basketball this season. And then when you're looking at a kid like Tatum, and you're looking at some of these other styles of players and, and bigs, uh, like the kid uh, 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 that plays a Bam, Bam that plays. All of these right. kids seem to fit in that type of talent skill, don't you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I think that uh, again, every every one of these big guys has their own. You know, uh, Okongwu doesn't drift out to the three-point line. If you're getting him, you're getting a masher at the rim. You're not getting a, a guy to stretch the floor. Jalen Smith okay. can stretch the floor. He can also block shots. I mean, that guy's an eraser. Uh, Toppin is not quite the shot blocker, but again, he's another guy who's a beast around the rim. Do you want to, you know, do, do you want to fill seats? Do you want to do things like that? So, like I said, James Wiseman, another guy who can block shots, run the floor, rim the rim. So, you know, like Jim said, every guy has their own thing, and they're all skilled big men. There's not, I mean, every guy. Uh, can do more than just, you know, uh, back up in the post. They're all multi-skilled guys. All right, Joe, 30 seconds. Mock draft, top five. Who do you got? Oofa, that's a tough one. You put me, okay, I'm going to go Anthony Edwards, number one, to Minnesota. I'm going to say James Wiseman to Golden State if they keep him, if they keep okay. that pick. Uh, who got at three? Let's see. Who? Uh, at three, I'm going to say... Shoot, that's a tough one now. <laughs> Three's where I, I get kind of caught up because, you know, I'm going to go uh, – I'm not doing the 30 seconds very well, am I? <laughs> yeah, but we've got to take direction, Joe. I didn't know you were going to do this. If <laughs> you were going to give me a top five mock draft. I'm going to say at five, yeah. Obi Toppin. How about that? Five is Obi okay. Toppin? All right. Joe G, this will be the first of Kill – Killian Hayes at four if, you wanna, if you're going to press me. <laughs> oh, okay. All okay. right. So you okay. got Hayes at four okay. and you got Toppin at five. All right. We'll see yeah. how it plays out on Wednesday, November 18th. And, of course, uh, we'll have our four-hour draft show that night. So looking forward to that. Ooh. Joe G, good stuff. We appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Corn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine by me. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, right after this. Welcome back. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Corn and sweets. Yes, Tamel Corn. <laughs> Jim Jones. How much fun was this? Great big thank you to Cedric Cornbread Maxwell and, of course, Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com. And, Jim, we'd be remiss before we close it out if we didn't remind everybody to vote, 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 vote. Yes, Judd. You know what? This was, uh, you know, our shows will be getting better and better. And uh, and uh, the guests just keep coming. Awesome. And, uh, but but uh, Joe G, we got to get him back on. Oh, great uh, either, stuff. Either uh, right after the draft, after we see where everybody lands. Uh, 
I would love to talk to him some more. Absolutely. Jimmy, thanks to you. Thanks to Marty Allen, Thank Kurt you. McLaughlin, Leo Simone. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. We hope you enjoyed it. And until we talk again on Cavs HQ, so long, everybody.